0: Okay, guys, this is a new segment. It's called the... Overtime, and uh, we'll come up with uh, a better intro and all that stuff, probably. But here's what we're doing: right when we're done taping the weekly video and audio podcast, because of YouTube, we have ten, three 10-minute ten segments, so we're restricted to 10 minutes per segment. But sometimes it feels like that there's a little extra information that we want to be talking about uh, on the subjects that we address during the show. So in the overtime, we're going to double back through segment one, two, and three, and add any little tidbits that uh, might be of interest to you out there listening. Now, this is a separate audio-only file, so if you were were on your iTunes or listening to the audio podcast, you have to go to pregame.com or iTunes and check on the new uh, file. Okay, so let's look. Segment one, we talked about Rodriguez, and we also were talking about how maybe this week wasn't the week that the distraction was going to really matter because they are a double-digit fake. And Vegas is telling us right now, both in the line going up and the bet percents, that Michigan is not going to have a major problem. So Vegas runner, tell us what Vegas is telling us about this game.
1: They opened at 10.5 at some spots, and we're seeing a two-point move. And I believe this early in the week before, like you said, the public starts betting. They wait till the final day. That's sharp action. Um, So... I don't think there's they don't believe as far as I'm concerned that the Rodriguez is a negative for this week. I think like you said we need to look at the future games and how it's going to affect them.
0: Okay, and and actually next week they play Notre Dame at Michigan. The game's at Michigan, as Marco stated. So here's a game that's going to be a close game, you would figure, and it might strike me that Michigan's going to be even a better go against next week because the distractions of this week are going to carry over. And don't forget, when a team's playing a double-digit favorite early, playing as a double-digit favorite early in the year, some of their prep time is for the next big game. They're not spending all their practice time worried about a team that's a double-digit favorite over so some of those distractions can actually hurt their preparation for the Notre Dame game.
2: I'll, that's true, but in this week, I totally disagree with that, and I think Michigan's going to be totally focused in two reasons. One, two years ago, they lost their opening game to Appalachian State, probably one of the worst upsets in college football. Two, you got Rodriguez coming off what was he, three and nine last year mm-hmm. in his first year at Michigan. He got a lot of heat from the alumni. People are questioning if he was the right choice there. He's gonna want to come out, get this team under control. I don't think he pulls the, the pedal off the metal if he gets a big lead in this game, you know, to start looking to next week. He wants to get confidence, he wants to get the bad taste out of his mouth from the three and nine season and go into Notre Dame game on full speed ahead.
0: All right, so you're saying that you agree with Vegas that you don't see this week's game being a soft spot for Michigan, but do you agree that next week against Notre Dame, this week's controversy might be a negative?
2: It could have a carryover effect, but I think if they blow this team out, everybody's going to forget about the controversy and they're going to just be talking about Notre Dame. All
0: right, and VR, this week not only is Vegas moving the line of the Michigan game, up from ten and a half, like you said, to twelve and a half. But the actual percentage of people betting the game is also on Michigan, pretty heavy. Seventy uh, percent are betting on Michigan. And for those that don't know, we have a pretty cool technology at Pregame.com where you can actually see who's betting what by percent, and it's called Sportsbook Spy. So you can actually go directly SportsbookSpy.com and see who's betting what. And right now, seventy percent on Michigan.
1: Yeah, and it gets expensive because they're playing Western Michigan in Ann Arbor. All
0: right, moving on, we talked about the Dodgers trade, and we actually looked at the future bets to see how the Dodgers are stacking up against the rest of the NL. So, VR, you want to hit us with that?
1: Uh, yeah, they're expected to win this division, even though there's so much talk about, you know, Catching up with San Fran and Colorado, you look at the odds, and the odds makers don't think that's going to happen. Dodgers are seven to one to win the World Series. You look at San Fran and Colorado; they're upwards of fifteen to one and higher. So they're not expecting either of these teams to catch the Dodgers. But when you do compare them to the rest of the National League, the Dodgers are no longer the front favorite. You know, now it's the Phillies. That happened a little bit with the Lee
0: acquisition. Um, but uh, so the Phillies are five to one right now about and the cards are six to one yeah and both better the, exactly
1: the Dodgers are the third favorite and they were supposed to be the overwhelming favorite of the National League going in supposed to have easy home field We're so far ahead so yeah there are some question marks there as far as the future is
2: concerned Don't forget about the St. Louis Cardinals right now St. Louis Cardinals may be the best team in the National League and they've been you know running behind the Dodgers and Philadelphia season because nobody really gave the central division in the National League any consideration this year and right now they're playing good baseball and they're winning ugly baseball and people don't get excited because they're not scoring runs but they've got the best maybe the best pitching staff in baseball
0: and remember if you're playing futures getting the best number is very important you can go to pregameaction.com and see all the books that have the best lines out there and the best bonuses okay so in segment two this week we talked about the big game Virginia Tech in Alabama and we want to double back and see if there's any information that we left on the table Marco why don't you start out with that
2: well as we said in the game the line six and a half and that line does seem high And looking at a couple stats that I pulled it makes it even seem higher Virginia Tech in September road games they're 15 and 5 against the spread you know so they always get out to quick starts and Frank Beamer is a coach. When he's been an underdog of 3.5 to 10, which is the range we're in on this game, he's 16-6 and six as a dog. With all of that said, Vegas still come out and put this number at a 6.5, almost a touchdown for two highly ranked teams. I really think they're begging you to take Virginia Tech in this game, and I'm not going to do it.
0: All right, a good good stats there. Vegas runner. Any closing thoughts on the big game? I
1: do not think they're going to get they're going to suspend
0: Jones. And it, well the fact the games aren't off the board probably tells us the odds are pretty good they're not going to Yeah, it
1: was all over the fishing trip going with Auburn alumni. They went with Auburn alumni on a fishing trip. That was all it's all about. Auburn alumni? The Auburn alumni, they both of them The Alabama so, players. Yeah. they That's Al, both Alabama players actually. Ingram and Jones, the top wide receiver and their their main running back went on a fishing expedition with Auburn alumni. Um, So the pressure's on Saban. Are you going to do the right thing as, as a coach first, student athlete first, actually, and a ball player second, and suspend them? Or because it's such a big game, are you going
0: uh, to? And we're thinking they're not going to get suspended. No, I don't think so. And uh, and then you were mentioning when we were chatting about this is that last year Alabama started, also like Virginia Tech did, Alabama started really hot last year and faded and this year you, you, we're thinking perhaps, or again, tell me your thoughts uh, about that. That's
1: it. the question mark on Saban. He always starts hot. And he did his first year and he did it again last year. 10-0 and going into the SEC championship game. Florida goes in gets the win. He goes on to a bowl game, gets defeated in that. So this is a team that's coming back this year off two back to, off back to back losses. Vatek on the flip side, a team that was rebuilding rolled off five straight wins to close out their season, then won a bowl game as an underdog. So I think they came into this. They're coming into this season with high expectations, and it looks to me like they have the talent to to really
2: win the ACC. I agree with you on the Virginia Tech coming in with momentum, but you can't call Alabama a fade because they no. lo- because they lost their last two games what you got well, you know- got I mean the, the bowl game was bad yeah, it's but a, a bad you guys in your mouth for- you forget they were undefeated going into the Florida game they lost the Florida game that was a letdown situation to go into the bowl game they would have been playing for the national championship had they won the championship game against Florida and if you remember the game they had the lead on Florida. In the second half. You're saying there's a hangover in the bowl game. Is that hangover going to extend to this season? No. This is a new season. Forget that bowl game. This is a totally new season. Their biggest concern is what they get out of the quarterback position in this first game.
0: All right. Then in segment three, we have our free picks, and uh, Marco and VR gave you a free pick, had a good discussion about San Diego and their chances in the Super Bowl. And then we talked a little bit about week four of the preseason, so we wanted to really uh, just wrap that up for you guys. In general, it's when the starters play the least, and week three the starters play the most. What are we looking for in the preseason? Marco, let's start with you. In in, in week four of the preseason.
2: Well, we touched right at the end of the... uh, original podcast that you want to look at matchups in key positions where there's battles and it's significant battles for players teams that have two good backup quarterbacks you know the starter is cemented but there's two quality you say
0: good two good backups you're saying the second and third quarterback right
2: Right. In, in a situation where you're looking at one of those spots is Arizona. You know, you've got, you know, Warner's the, the starter, but you've got Matt Leinard, you've got Tyler Palco there, and you also got you know, Brian St. Pierre. They've got to get rid of some quarterbacks. So there's going to be a little bit of a battle there, plus the fact Arizona's offense has been horrible in the preseason so they're going to want to work on that offense in this final week so you look for situations like that where there's value
1: I just have to agree with that 100 percent you got to spot play in the preseason like that the only thing I want to add is that when you are going to make a play you got to get down quick especially if it's based on some kind of information um, from the coaching or how they're going to set up their quarterbacks who's going to play how long because as soon as that information trickles down the line moves and we see in week four the preseason the most adjustments are made you see favorites become dogs and dogs become favorites six point adjustments um by the time the games kick off if you look at last year's the previous year's lines that's exactly what happened
0: so the line moves during the regular season typically are about batting action in the preseason, and especially sounds like in week four, is it's information moves where something is announced and it's not as if people are betting, let's say a game goes from minus three to minus seven, it's not like they're betting three and a half, four, four and a half, Is they'll actually move the line almost like it's an injury and just reopen it at a different number. Exactly, come Thursday if Belichick says my
1: starters are going to play five plays, and that's it.
0: And and you're using this just as an example. Yeah, exactly.
1: If you hear, we're just going to script ten plays, that's it, I'm pulling them out, wise guys are going to run to the window. And you hear that, you got to get down. You don't have too much time to think because that
2: line will move, and it will move aggressively. One other scenario that you have in preseason football in week four, as I said about the quarterback battles where there's a competition where there's absolutely none, and an example would be Pittsburgh, Roethlisberger's the starter. Charlie Batch is the established number two. This is a game where they will look at that rookie quarterback or the young quarterback and let him play an extended period. Dixon to see just what they have for. the Now Dixon future.
0: hurt his shoulders. Is he is he? Do we know he's playing this week? We
2: don't know, but I'm um,
0: an example. Okay. It's an
2: example of a situation like that where they will look at dra- you know, a high draft pick that they have sitting on the roster that's got no shot of starting or be even being the backup, but they'll give those guys extended looks in this situation.
0: Okay, so this is interesting We did uh, about 12 minutes of overtime And we'll be doing this each week Remember, we want your feedback Go to pregameforums.com Tell us what you think of the regular show And remember, for the regular show You can get all the videos at pregame.tv And for the audio version You can get that at pregame.com Or at iTunes And with the overtime, it's only at pregame.com And we're going to wrap up for this week And we'll be back next week